This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is James Evans, and I have no clue what to say in this intro today. I can't for the life of me think of something Carol-related, which probably doesn't bode well for the episode. It's Ellie Nunn! James! Help me out here. Wow! You really let me down. You know what? There have been times where I have not been able to... You could have said, get off my jock. I know, but then... How's that for a thing? But a couple of episodes ago, you were like, I love how it's just devolved into us just quoting the episode and then just like putting one of our names in. You could have been like, my name's James Evan and she loves a narrative. She loves a narrative. (laughs) Okay, my name's James Evan. Find another word. And if you want to talk about her behind her back, at least check out her great ass. It's Ellie Nunn. Do you have a great ass, would you say? You tell me. Well, I know you have great breasts. I mean, I haven't, like... Do you never walk behind me? That's... Well, with your many lovers, do they do, they, do, do lovers comment on your ass? Um, or are they all about the breasts? No, no, I think I have a good bum. I would go so far as to say I think I have a great bum. I don't personally love my boobs. And actually, I don't know if I've ended up with that many people who... Oh, no, that's not true. Was it you who ha- who was with mind. the guy who made the comment? <laughs> Is that not you? Is that someone else? <laughs> who called them boobies? <laughs> called them boobies during the act. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> no, it was like a... It, it's, it's a bit of an old wife oh. It was like a friend of a right. friend. But yeah, it makes me feel sick. Uh, um, I love your boobies. No, oh. I, um, I think I've got quite a decent like shelf. Yes. But it depends what you're into. If someone was into a skinny ass then I have a terrible ass. You know what I mean? Like, what makes a good ass? Oh, yeah, but that's, that's such a a safe, diplomatic answer. So you've got a good ass then. You know what the best part of me is? What? My vagina. <laughs> My vagina. Vagina. <laughs> Without a doubt. Her vagina. Her vagina. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have a great ass? <sighs> yes. <laughs> you could be drinking that smoothie the entire episode. So I'm just finishing up. Basically, I, I've got a bit of the lurgy right now. A summertime cold. Oh, the lurg. Um, I've got the summertime sadness. And um, I'm at the tail end of it right now, but I'm in a slightly flummy stage. Mm. And uh, I'm just sipping on my little uh, spinach and pea and tropical fruit medley. Smoothie. <laughs> and it's, I, I feel right as rain right now. But yes, back to asses. I do have a good ass, I would say. Oh, good. Yeah, I would say so too. Small and compact. Before we toddle on down to the sort of never-ending spiral of misery that is Carol and Bethany, I just wanted to quickly talk about OC. Yeah. And about with the most recent episode, I don't know what is going on with this extremely heavy-handed. I think that it's a really dud season for what is going on. Like, don't bring back Vicky Gumbelson and then she was there for like five minutes and now she's just not there. Mm -hmm. This pylon on Heather where it's like you were saying last week, there have been past times where Heather has been quite like manipulative or Machiavellian. Mm -hmm. And this season, she's literally done nothing wrong and done nothing but be quite like supportive and own stuff very quickly. And the attempt to pile on is so painful to watch because it's just pointless. It's not even getting a response. And it's like Shannon is trying so hard. Shannon's actually really pissing me off. It just makes no sense. And they're all, it just feels like they're all desperately scrabbling. It feels like, you know, when you do an improv game and it goes down a route where it's just like, this isn't working or we just can't get out of it. And you just need someone to be like, you know what? All these characters need to leave. And we just need to be like introducing a new character. It's that. It's like they chose a bad route and now they're stuck down it. It's not going anywhere. This whole street, it's like the paparazzi photos. It's not going anywhere. There's nowhere for it to go. I'm quite intrigued though, actually. I I agree. I don't enjoy the means, um, but I feel like the end is somewhat justified in some way. Just, I guess I'm kind of repeating myself, but I enjoy the tactical side of it, of how we've gotten here and how Heather can see it coming and not quite being able to do anything about it. Mm, it's annoying me. All right. The stuff with Shannon... I think, were we talking about this last time when they kept saying John's a bad guy? 
but we haven't really seen much of it on the show. Mm. And they're saying he's a bit of a fame monger. I was thinking about this and I think it's a really interesting instance on this show where actually we've sort of come full circle where they're talking about things almost in a breaking the fourth wall sense, but what's actually happening is very much behind the fourth wall where what they're implying is they're fame hungry in terms of being on TV. But I actually don't think that's necessarily the case. I think John maybe is just like a humble guy who likes the clout of being a Newport local celebrity and he enjoys having a good table at mm. The Quiet Woman. I think that's what they're getting at. But I feel like yes, we're so attuned But they to... don't want to be like on TV. Like, yeah, it's they're like awkward they on TV, but they enjoy being a big name around town sort of thing. Exactly. But they're not inserting... It's not like um, Joe Gorger or someone who wants to be on no, TV. no. But it's just interesting how I think we're now so used. It's gone from people saying, when I brought you into this group of women, we now know that means it's code for when we brought you on the show. And I think we're so Mm. used to now reading everything in a breaking the fourth wall sense that actually some things very much aren't breaking the fourth wall, but we're assuming that it is. And this is a case of one of those. So it's kind of like a weird meta moment. Yeah, it just feels like it's not working. It's not, I'm just like, I'm ready for the new season of Beverly Hills or something. Well, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. What can I say? Well, Tamara's really not good yeah. though, and I, I think this is going to be my I mean, hot take. Really bad. I respect her for changing the game, but she, I think, she may have been the first one to stir up trouble. But I think her successes have done a better job than she is doing now. No, I agree. I, I think she's doing an actively bad job. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Armstrong, <laughs> bless her, is bringing absolutely nothing to the table. Like why? I was really there? excited for this IMDb fight. I thought this is a really funny little petty B plot fight and I'm kind of sad that Heather just bodied Taylor so easily and she sort of just scurried back into a little corner again and she's just sort of been reduced to this like drunken squawking little creature in the corner and maybe and I feel really bad for saying this because obviously the circumstances around her iteration on Beverly Hills were horrific and I think we were all willing for her to have a time on the show where she was like fun and light and she wasn't bogged down with all that darkness but actually without those horrifying circumstances she's just not very good TV and that's fine but how interesting is it that in that diamonds and rose book they said that her screen test yeah they insisted that one of the best one that they've ever had and they were like we they thought taylor was going to be the tamra of beverly hills and they were like this woman is magic on screen and she just wasn't very interesting on the show i just think that's so fascinating it's so interesting and over 15 years now and three different iterations beverly hills ultimate girls trip and oc it's like that's (laughs) enough of a chance you know, and yeah. I'm like, I just don't think that's it's working three. for her. And that's fine. <laughs> right. Carol and Bethany. I have to say, going back and watching all of those recaps just depressed me so much and really did make me reassert my position of falling on Carol's side. And I just think particularly the reunion, mm. it's such a poor showing from Bethany. And... I also think that there are some really key details this time that I picked up on that get brushed past on the show. And I see Carol's frustration with Andy Cohen is that Andy keeps doing these very broad brushstrokes and picking up on very like obvious things, but missing the point of what's being said. I'll get to that later. But it really, the whole thing honestly made me feel, and don't get me wrong, I think Bethany is an extremely astute and intelligent person. Mm -hmm. But on this occasion, you know, Carol's insistence when she keeps saying about truth, it's not about having heightened language of being like, I'm seeking the truth. I get that what Carol's saying is, let's say it how it Mm -hmm. was. Let's say the fact. And she keeps being kind of blasted for that as if what she's saying is petty, Mm -hmm. when actually it's about that everything has been blown out of its context So she's trying to get like right back to the kind of bare bones Mm -hmm. of the argument. And it's just, I mean, it's a waste. It just stopped working, but it's very frustrating because I think I would be the Carol in that situation of trying to explain your way out of the argument and say, no, no, let me explain how I'm right. And just being completely steamrolled where there was no point at that. Like it's being right versus being loud. Exactly. It feels a bit like that New Jersey reunion where it's all of them against Teresa and like Teresa stands will be like, and she took them all on and ate them up and left no crumbs. It's like, I don't think so. I think it's- Can you just 
it's just one person screaming loudly and drowning out everyone God, else. I could my voice my voice actively insisted just then nope. was like, no, we are not doing Teresa. <laughs> Clamping down your vocal cords. Nope. Absolutely. It was not like you out. have an audition in two days. We are not fucking our voice doing an impression of Teresa at that reunion. This is gonna be like a nice balance because we're gonna be doing carol voices and then also the shrill <laughs> of Bethany. Bethany. I kind of wanted to treat this as... A formal apology from you. <laughs> I mean, this is basically, I, from my perspective, more going to be a Carol episode. And the Bethany oh. fight, I think, is more sort of the act three. But I want to spend a second just focusing on Carol's journey on the show as we get there. And I think much like Luan, although probably on a much smaller scale, you can really divide Carol's tenure on the show into these three distinct phases. So you have act one, which is like cool Carol. And then you have act two, Mm -hmm. which is, and I stand by this, I'm sorry, kind of lame Carol. And then you have act three, Bethany and Carol fighting. Mm. And I think part of the purpose of talking about Carol just a bit as a person first is that with this podcast there's space for us to reassess how we may remember these characters and see them in a new light and i actually think carol has for the most part been remembered as the same one the greek chorus arguably slightly boring but i think that with the benefit of hindsight we can say things aren't always as they appear and that her boringness was in fact maybe the glue that held Roni together. I think it may just be coincidence, but it's noteworthy that Carol's last season happened to be probably the last truly great season of New York. Mm. Like in my mind, and I think everyone's mileage may vary on this, but Roni's golden age for me lasted from season seven to season 10 and Carol was there for all of it. I would even I would even argue from season five to season yeah. 10. I would argue potentially from the arrival of the new girls that those three acts span the best- The best of Roni. Yeah. Years yeah. Of, of Roni. And I just think- we all love the comedy of Roni and it tends in general to maybe have less of a dramatic drive than other cities. And I do think without a sober presence like Carol, even if it's not Carol herself, I think Roni's particularly susceptible to sort of going off the rails structurally. I think there's a tendency to think of Bethany as the Greek chorus and the kind of eyes through which we view the show and the women. And actually, it's easy to forget that whilst Bethany's very observant and quick and funny and she's very good at kind of observational comedy about the women and commentary that doesn't make her relatable yeah and actually bethany's quite kind of psychopathic in terms of like her emotions are so up and down and things like that in a way that doesn't make her the steady alice down the rabbit hole and i think that what carol had was a few things. First of all, that right from her entrance on the show, she was the first sort of genuinely aspirational person. Completely. Watching, bearing in mind the kind of audience it was getting. I'm sure that, you know, we talk about the people who watch Housewives kind of ironically and the mm-hmm. kind of people who watch it aspirationally and sort of Midwestern mums. I think for people watching the show ironically for like young, not like up and coming, but uh the entrance of Carol was the first time that someone was sort of genuinely cool Mm. on the show without seeming above it and without mocking it or undermining it but there was someone there who I was genuinely I loved her style I loved her taste in places and in things she wanted to do I found her very funny and dry she had a a genuinely aspirational career like she'd done really interesting things And she was just a very quietly cool presence on the show. But she was also kind of providing that tension with Luann and that she kind of highlighted a lot of the snobbery of the show in a really great way. I think it's really interesting with all those things I completely agree with. And actually, every time I start season five again it still holds up every time every, every time. time i start season five again <laughs> the twenty thousand times i've started I'm like um back to cool carol <laughs> but i'm genuinely blown away each time like that first party at sonia's house where she comes in i'm like she's really fucking cool and really charming and breezy yeah. and still knowing how it ends for her i'm still taken in by her it's so breezy and unaffected and so unfazed by cameras yeah. being there she just seems so like 
It's interesting when you do screen work, you know how much of it is about getting rid of any nervous energy you have because that energy just like reads so much on camera. And someone like Aviva is such an example of someone who comes in with just like so much nervous energy. And Carol just seems to have so little and just be so at ease on film. She's very sprezzatura, which is this word that I love, but very like effortlessly cool. And it is very jarring to see her on a show who's core tenet has always been about pretending to have something you don't, exaggerating what you do have, Mm. maintaining a false facade, being pretentious. She actually does have all of those things. She's this journalist. She was a war correspondent. She's a princess. She was married to a Kennedy. She's written best-selling memoirs. And it's so funny seeing her then face-to-face with someone like Luann and how it completely triggers this jealous downward spiral. It's so fucking funny. Exactly. It's just amazing. You know what? She felt a bit like when a show has like a guest appearance that... You know how like when Brad Pitt was on Friends and everyone loved it so much because he was going out with Jennifer Aniston, but the storyline, the joke was that he hated yes, Rachel. Yeah. It had this kind of meta self-awareness thing of let's put an actual princess who's right. really cool and really like unbothered yeah. by it. And like, oh, I don't pronounce it the way that you do with Luanne and things like that. Like putting them face to face was such perfect audience fodder of being like, this person's cool, but also this is so enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch. We've seen other housewives do that fish out of water thing. And they always go to a place in their talking heads of, I've never seen grown women act this way before. And you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. But she was very dry about it. She's all. very dry. Very and she really brings the writer to her talking head. She has this very particular thoughtful way of expressing ideas about her fellow castmates and the drama around her that feels far more complex and elevated than her peers but again without being pretentious and I would say that there's actually genuine affection there and understanding as she watches Ramona and Sonia do their little double acts she's really in on their joke Mm. and she appreciates it it never comes from a place of snobbery I would say even though you get the sense that she's doing this gig not for the money or the fame but because she genuinely finds it this fascinating anthropological study yeah I love her and I think that's why she makes a better narrator than the likes of Bethany in part as well because she's very Mm. rarely in a fight so even when Bethany's doing her whole Jerry Seinfeld shtick about Ramona she's normally beefing with Ramona so it's always slightly coloured by her take on things considering she rarely gets activated and she generally cruises through life in those first few seasons in a much lower gear Carol also has this remarkable sense of emotional depth that really heightens the show as well. So I have to say, you know, those scenes in season seven where she goes to London with Dorinda and she collects her husband's ashes, it's beautiful. And there's this gorgeous elegiac quality to it. And again, she's able to, for someone who seems very stoic on the surface, she manages to describe her own emotional state in a way that's both very moving and also very stage-worthy as well. She has such a way with words. It's the same yeah. when she um, reads out the to- the speech she was going to do when Hillary won. Yeah. I, it makes me cry every mm-hmm. time. And I also would say, even though she's not much of a fighter for most of her time on the show, and she's more of a B-plot housewife, I say with no shade or anything at all, she's never going to carry a season on her back, and that's fine. There's different housewives for different purposes. She does have that little like Cold War going on with with, with Luann, I was going to say. That kind of like the one that's always like oh. subtly very indirect. And then she does really yeah. solid work with Aviva as well, even though it's kind of maybe overshadowed by the fact that Aviva fights with literally everyone that season. But it is a great it's fight. It's a great fight. And it's got great material. And also, like you say, then the, the ongoing fight with Luann, which provides so much material, but without being those explosive ones where you feel a bit dirty afterwards. It's such a good steady boil. The Adam fight and the consistency of it. And then that whole season where Luann's kind of trying to be like, look, it doesn't matter. We both said bad things. And she's like, well, actually, I didn't. And it's like, Carol's just so on the right yeah. side of it always of like, well, no, if you're yeah. going to call me a pedophile, then you yeah. have to <laughs> That's stick fair. with that. And also just the way that Luann constantly undermined her relationship. And it was like the longest lasting relationship of any of the ones they were mm-hmm. in at that time. Right. It was just like... I think it's, she's almost less invested in her own fights in a way because the way she carries that whole Luan fight is very oh Luan whatever but she I get yeah I mean that bit imagine how much one of the others you know when Luan's like yeah well because you don't have children right uh someone else could have bitten so hard of being like a fit or whatever and the fact that Carol's just like well don't say that like that (laughs) like everything 
she's just very real in those exchanges. But I find she's actually very quietly invested in other people's fights in a way, you know, speaking of Tamara, I think Carol is a bit of a producer in the sense that she's mm. able to maintain a bigger picture for an argument and draw what she needs out of her cast in order to keep the storyline moving, which is why I said it's so important that we need that sober presence. Otherwise, the show goes a bit off the rails. She's very good at listening to the ramblings of the more manic cast members without judgment and then translating it into layman's terms and then creating a cogent argument mm-hmm. that they, they can use going forward. So after the fight in Cartagena mm-hmm. between Dorinda and Luan, and she sat there very patiently listening to Dorinda being like, you could be the biggest, you could be the biggest heroin addict, addict. I'm in my house, I say, what the fuck's going on? And then she's, you know, and Carol, like, she has the patience of a saint and, like, the will of the Nordic gods to maintain a straight face through all of that and be like, okay, so how do we go she's forward with like, the reconciliation? You're yeah. sad that you heard Dorinda. Exactly. Like, yeah. And the same thing, actually, with season eight. It's really subtle, sneaky work. And I really like it from Carol, where on the on the yacht, she's listening to Sonia drunkenly babbling about Tom and she's like you were his lover she articulates the thing of the lover and so and that's really clever because then she first of all legitimizes Sonia's delusions which no one ever does and it gives like a really neat argument for Sonia to latch onto so then she's like we were lovers you know and then it manages to propel the whole argument forward and arguably then leads to the please don't let it be about Tom fight so yeah, Carol can be great and I love her so much in so many ways. And I genuinely, I, we know how I feel. I really don't care about aspiration on these shows, but she's probably the only housewife, one of the very few who I genuinely am very enamored by her lifestyle. And yeah. I would like to be friends with her. Yeah. We then have act two, which is, I would say seasons eight and nine, which is where Carol fucking sucks and... Maybe you're going to disagree with me on this, but it's we're really not using Carol at her best right now. She's basically, Heather's out of the picture. Bethany's dug her claws into Carol and she's adopted her as this lackey. And they just spend the whole time in a corner encouraging each other to be boring and cliquish and they're just miserable. And it's just so frustrating mm. to see Carol, who is actually smart but quiet, playing second fiddle to Bethany, who's this loud idiot. Yeah, And it's just so sad to see Carol as this yes person when it really should be the other way around. Yeah, no, I I do agree. I understand how that friendship happened and I think it makes a lot of sense, but it is sad. I think what re-watching all of that stuff really hammered home for me is how much Bethany takes as a friend. And I know that Carol like actively says mm-hmm. that. And Bethany's whole thing of being like, well, I took yeah. you to the Hamptons. Yeah. I took you to... Where even Bethany owns, I think she takes a lot of energy. She takes, which is great when you're getting on. And, you know, I have friends like this where you are kind of relegated to second fiddle and laughing at their bits or like they have a lot of drama going on and you're the kind of steady person who listens to it. It's not you. It's I was going to say, did you see my face? (laughs) My face twitching slightly. Okay. (laughs) But... And, and, and you're right, I think that it's a shame on the show because it means that you can then only really occupy the space of, um, it's just endless scenes of, you know, Bethany having another breakdown about genuinely terrible stuff happening in her life and Carol sort of sitting and listening or being yeah. like, yeah, she's going through a lot and she's doing, and just, the reason it's boring is because it's just for you know, Carol just being a genuinely good friend. They're probably quite good friends to each other. I guess what I'm trying to say is that friendships like that, what tends to happen if I go into psychoanalyzer any please is that for as long as that person is really struggling with something and someone's being a very steady pillar for them and also is a very good audience for their bits or their shtick or whatever the dynamic works great Mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong there might be the odd moments where that that person is then there the other way around and carries but like any relationship where sometimes someone's like i've got what's brené brown's whole thing where she's like I've got like 20 to give. And sometimes the other person's like, cool, I've got 80, I can cover you. But sometimes someone's like, well, I've only got like 30. So how are we going to manage that we don't have the space for each other right now? Mm -hmm. I think a really crucial element that gets missed, and I missed it the first few times, about the breakdown of that friendship is that Carol's friend's husband had just died. Yes. And I think that it gets very brushed over that it's like Carol was giving that energy to somebody else. 
It wasn't that she didn't have that energy for Bethany anymore. It's that the energy was required somewhere else. And nearly all of the things that Bethany says about that shift and about you not having time with me, every time Carol's response is, I was with Cassandra, so I didn't want to invite a new person into the house at 11 o'clock at night. I was with Cassandra with friends where we were talking about the fact her husband had just died. That's why it wasn't like a lunch that I invited you to. And even her thing about with Tinsley, trying to, when it keeps getting blown by Andy Cohen even into being like, what's the problem with saying you're friends with Tinsley? Where I think what Carol's trying to say is, I'm not saying I'm not friends with Tinsley. What I'm saying is the reason for the shift wasn't me becoming friends with Tinsley. Mm -hmm. And it's just too easy for Bethany to be like, oh, you've got a new best friend. Rather than it be, no, I was being a friend to someone else and my energy was somewhere else. And Bethany could not deal with that. Mm -hmm. And the irony is that, you know, a year later, Bethany's grieving and has had this tremendous loss. And I think understands how much that takes from the people around who have to show up and support. And also, every time Carol's like, you've been calling me superficial, you've been calling me obsessed with myself or whatever, and Bethany's like, oh God, what a terrible thing for me to say. It's like, you know what? If you'd spent a whole summer showing up for someone in enormous pain, going through something you have also gone through, losing your husband, I think I would be pretty pissed off if I was written off as just like, you've become a bit obsessed with yourself. Yeah, and obsessed with eyelashes and selfies. Because I'd be like... I can't be a great friend to you right now because right now you don't need me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this person does. And I just think it is mad watching that reunion and just stepping back and really trying to take on that kind of sober observer role. When Bethany keeps being like, the only thing I said is that you don't have a career and you don't have children. And Carol's trying to explain that she had a career. She never is saying that she has a bigger career than Bethany or a better one. That's the other thing is that Bethany is so self-obsessed that everything becomes this thing of being like, so tell me how you've done more than me. And it's like, no. She wasn't saying that. You cannot say someone does not have a career. Mm -hmm. Also, Bethany could have been justified to say like, you're not writing right now. Mm -hmm. But you just categorically, it's not true to say someone doesn't have a career. To also be saying... To Hang on. To say you don't have children to someone whose husband died, who feels that they would have had children if their husband had survived, but who also therefore made their career, their life, because they didn't. Right. Because they were... Like, it's so deep. And there's so many layers to it. So for Bethany to have the nerve to be like, that's nowhere near as bad as you calling me a narcissist, is just like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Considering the stuff that Bethany throws out, but also the fact that Bethany implied in that reunion to Dorinda, she's like, what you said to Luanne isn't as bad as what Carol said about me. Yeah. Where Dorinda was like, I didn't get a mugshot. For right. <laughs> like, it's so insane. Yeah. And I just think Bethany is so self-obsessed in a way that, to be honest, I kind of don't blame Carol by the end of that reunion is saying, like, I don't want to be friends with this person anymore. Like, it's got to the point where I don't want to fix it because actually it's so ugly. It feels like the amount of misinformation that comes out, and as you just painted it point by point beautifully, but the amount of generalizations and loud bombast and showmanship that drowns out that drowns out the- it feels like a, a capsule from 2016 and i think it's not you know not just because carol's storyline is in part being a big hillary clinton supporter but it does feel almost like some microcosm of the debate at the time around misinformation and fake news and yes. alternative facts and someone trying to maintain integrity Exactly. And there's a point in it. There's one of the moments, not the booyah point. There's another moment oh, I hate that. when Carol's explaining about her friend's partner dying. And Bethany's like getting up some text and is showing Andy going and Andy's like, oh, but there you go. She did say da da da, whatever. And it's that thing where it's like, you're missing the point. Yeah. Andy Cohen is very unhelpful in that argument because he keeps having something put in front of him and being like, oh, I see. Like, yeah. so that is a thing. And what he's not hearing or he's not understanding is this sense of like I just so get what Carol's saying which is the whole season again I'm sure many of us have had this when you can tell a friend is off with you Mm -hmm. and you're trying to fix it but you're also kind of don't want to validate it Mm -hmm. and also Carol's not perfect none of this is me arguing that she's like she's definitely a real like stick head in sand like avoider Mm -hmm. with things and she there's throughout the season you really see that thing of she just wants to be like can we just not analyze it anymore can we just move on Mm -hmm. and just make it better and bethany's looking for some kind of apology or answer or or hug or something and she's not getting it so she just won't move on she just can't the truth is bethany does go to everyone all season Mm -hmm. and complain about it 
And actually, most clips of Carol, when people ask her about it, she's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm just a bit exhausted. You can completely understand why Carol says that Andy's full of shit. I think, again, I don't think maliciously, but I think Andy tries to be helpful and draws a false equivalence by saying, you both well, bashed each exactly, other. Exactly. It's that he implies like, oh, you both went off and bashed each other. When actually, when you watch it back, that is just not what happened. It's just not true. And actually, it's Bethany com- comes into the season and it sounds like a facile thing to say, but she kind of, it feels in many ways a repeat of her fight with Jill, except she's taken on the Jill role, where it's like she's almost come into the season with an axe to grind like this is our storyline and Carol's just sort of dumbfounded for the whole season until she eventually twigs by the end and so she does a few talking heads of her saying that Bethany's a narcissist or manipulative or whatever when Bethany it's just like peppered throughout the season her saying like she doesn't have a career she doesn't have kids she's become superficial she is America's house guest you know she's a taker or she- and that's the other thing is I just get Carol's point of being like yeah by the end of the season I genuinely was like thank god we're gonna make it better and then you watch it back and it's always it's it's the stuff that wasn't to Carol's face yeah that is why you'd be like it doesn't sound like you like me very mm. much I'm acutely aware at this point that some people may be listening to all of this and they maybe tearing their hair out because I think what's so fascinating about this fight is that I remember this was the case at the time and I think it's still the case now people are so evenly split on what team they're on so they're either team Bethany or team Carol or there's team they're both wrong and I think in many ways all of those takes is kind of valid and I think it's strange in some ways because I don't think any of us are necessarily particularly invested in the friendship. Like I just said, I actually think when Carol is friends with Bethany, it's like Carol at her worst. And the friendship seems to sort of like come around out of nowhere. I always find it a bit odd that as soon as... You know what? Weirdly, I was quite invested. I think I found it quite genuine. And I really believed all the other women's response where it's the most I think you could see the women seem genuinely sad that two people were fighting. And it really affected the group dynamic and the amount that they all at that reunion are like, don't say that like you're done with each other because I don't know I actually did feel quite invested in it and I also I really like Bethany mm-hmm. I don't like how she behaves on this season but generally I, I like Bethany I, I think she is a bit of an emotional vampire completely and I think she takes an enormous amount of energy but I don't think like I don't think it's as simple in an argument like this is like one person's like a conniving manipulative it's like all the Lisa Vanderpump versus yeah. people where it's like I don't think she's evil. I just think in this argument, I agree with what Carol said of, I think you didn't want to make it better. Mm -hmm. And I think that Bethany thought she wanted to make it better because each time she would kind of go, what's going on with us? Yeah. But the way she would then behave, she just couldn't let it go. And she couldn't let go of the kind of, that whole Cartagena trip and that bit where she just stands in the street and is like, oh! Such a misery guts. That is exactly what she was just all season. That thing of like, she was carrying this weird dark energy around and... If she hadn't done all of the talking, if she hadn't been quite as vicious as she can be, I actually think they probably could have ended the season and moved forward. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about this fight, and I think this is why people are so invested in it, is that it's not a traditional housewives friendship breakup where it's one big bombastic fight about an issue that's been Mm -hmm. exacerbated by the show. It's very much this death by a thousand paper cuts where it's two people Mm -hmm. with very opposing emotional needs and communication styles trying to salvage something that has long been on life support and it's just a series of conversations that are circling the drain with diminishing results each time and they both know it and it's sad also the arguments make it worse each time it's one of those things where it's not like a Ramona where someone drops a bombshell Mm -hmm. and then the argument stems from that it's like they're kind of okay but every time they try and have a conversation they get more annoyed with each other and then it gives them more fodder to be like the fuck yeah when they walk away so I think it's why it gets people so wound up as well is because I think it replicates for us for many of us beat for beat our own friendship breakups uh, I, I've said that from this when we yeah. did we did an episode where we talked about this once where I was like I genuinely find the breakdown of Bethany and Carol's friendship triggers something painful because we're not really warned in life how painful friendship breakups are where you just stop where you just don't have the time or the energy for each other in the same way and it hurts and you know what Bethany is bang on when she says that bit where she's like I've never had this happen Mm -hmm. so I'm freaking out it feels like a death it feels like I've lost a family member I, I absolutely get that 
It's heart-wrenching and often there's so much worse than romantic breakups because there's often no definitive end or closure. And it's weird because we don't often see it reflected in culture or art in any way. We don't see we don't see it in narratives, but also with romantic breakups, generally I would argue that we show our romantic partners the parts of us that we're most ashamed of or like the ugliest parts of us. And we don't tend to show our friends I mean the real, like the the uh, like the really bad sides, yeah. and in a way, it's such a measure of it's such an amazing part of a friendship if you have got to show each other those things because I do think it means you've allowed yourself to get very close. But it's painful to feel that those parts of us are being rejected mm-hmm. in a friendship where I think we expect it more from a romantic thing because yeah. because like you say in the culture we talk about breakups yeah. a lot and we've given that stock. I also think. I just want to be clear that whilst I find the reunion showing really poor, whenever I watch that series, there's so many moments where I feel really sorry for Bethany and where I really see the pain of being like, where's it gone? And I've said this when we did the Cartagena episode, you just can see the moments where she's like, just give me a big hug. And also we've all, I've been in romantic arguments like that where you're just like stuck in a fight and you're like, why can't you tell that I just want you to come over and give me a big hug and be like, I love you. and it's going to be okay and it's like the want for reassurance and Carol just doesn't have it to give or it's not her Carol's very set in this thing of being like let's just leave it and see how it goes and Bethany just can't sit in that and it's just too it makes her feel too out of control I think their summit that they have I want to talk about this fight in the Berkshires in a second but I just want to focus for a second on the summit that they do afterwards I find it so interesting because it's just after the new year. There's like been a bit of space to breathe. And it's fascinating because it really does summarize their differing communication styles and how there really can be two sides to every story. And the way both of them act and the needs that both of them have right in the moment, I've seen myself in the past in whatever Mm. fight I've had with a friend. So in Bethany's version of events, she sent Carol a picture of them and a text saying, I miss you. And Carol responded with, wow, that's a lot. In Carol's version, it was a picture and then a long essay about the state of affairs and how Carol's really cold now and she's changed and can they talk about this? And Carol, obviously she's in LA with her friend who's mourning the death of her husband. And Carol says to her, okay, this is a this is a big conversation. It's too big to have via text. I hear you. Can we talk about it in the new year when I get back? And then Bethany and proceeded to text per- him. Exactly. And isn't that just the perfect example of like, you, I totally get that Bethany's side is, I was super vulnerable with you mm-hmm. and let my guard down and said, I miss you. Mm-hmm. And I felt like you rejected me by being like, you're being a lot. And this is a lot to take in. And that's really painful. But the other side of it is Carol repeatedly and respectfully said, I would like space. Yeah. I would like to have this as a conversation right now i am not in a position to be able to talk about this yeah and actually you know even in my current relationship i can be a real bethany on that front that i want things to be fixed as quickly as possible and you know the whole thing of like you should never go to sleep on an argument yeah i'm only realizing and i'm 32 and i'm only just realizing that it's kind of bullshit yeah because that narrative encourages us to try and fix things as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. and if you're if you have an if you've ever had like an argument at night or in the evening to be like in this slightly panicked manic way be like no i'm not leaving you alone until we deal with this Mm -hmm. as if that's the healthy thing to do Mm -hmm. and i'm actually learning that it's like sometimes when someone's like give me some space Mm Let me get out of an emotional headspace Mm -hmm. and process this and then let's talk about it and we will deal with that. And we will, that respecting someone's right to take some time. Yeah. But often if we feel uncomfortable, we're like, this mustn't be healthy because I feel really uncomfortable and panicked. Mm -hmm. And we feel a bit like you owe releasing me from that. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting. It is such a different, and like you're saying, like the thing that Carol was saying, like she just kept messaging and being like, okay, but this is hard for me. And it's like, sometimes you've just got to stop. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can we talk about the Berkshires fight? Yes. It's so annoying. It's, it's so, it's, it gets my heart racing. Oh. It's such a frustrating experience. And I feel like, again, I feel triggered right now because in this instance, I feel like I'm Carol and I'm having an argument with a Bethany type. I think Bethany often, and this is very much on display here, is for me the worst, most infuriating type of debater for me, where she's constantly arguing, not from, in this instance, any ideological or emotional standpoint, but she's just arguing for the sake of being right. Mm -hmm. And as a result, she's constantly moving goalposts in order to achieve rightness, and the standard is always changing. Yeah, She gaslights Carol in the truest sense of the word. The bit where she's like, oh my God, Carol, you're freaking me out right now. It makes me so cross. Yeah. And I'm so happy for Carol when she's like, what, does the truth freak you out? And she tries to trip Carol up over these minute details with the aim of distracting from Carol's greater truth. She tells Carol to calm down when Bethany's the one who's yelling and blurting out catchphrases. It's that like Nene Leak style of arguing, just like yelling out these meme-worthy one-liners. But then she ridicules Carol for phrases that she uses. I think I may be conflating different it's arguments awful. right now. But when there's one argument, I think it's in Cartagena, where Carol's like, it's not that deep. And then Bethany's like, oh yeah, we say it's not that deep because we're 25 and we say it's not that deep. And it's like, you've gone around being like, oh, this is sick. This this is sick. This house we got yeah. is sick. And it's like, what are you saying? And in the reunion, Carol says something like, oh yeah, I heard a story that blah, 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 blah. Perfectly normal phrase to say, I heard a story. And Bethany's story, like, well, I story, heard a story too. I heard a story. And they're like, what? <laughs> so annoying. She like interrupts, she age shames, she scurries away when she's getting bested. She just sucks. And that's not to say that I'm like blindly supporting Carol. I actually think Carol has some annoying habits when she argues as well. She does this really frustrating thing where if Bethany makes a point, rather than Carol kind of refuting it, she'll glitch and look confused and like roll her eyes. And it makes you want to go, what, 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 what? I'm such a Carol when I argue in, in this instance, in terms of, I'm a very like, I don't mean thoughtful arguer in terms of like considerate, but I'm very thought focused. Mm-hmm rather than emotion focused. So I would probably do a similar thing where it's like, I think about what I'm going to say, but also I want to counter each point and be like, no, that's not true. Like, no, that's, I don't know how to just be like, okay, I'm going to let those three slide because my main, because that's the other thing that annoys me about Carol, but I would do it as well, is that she gets distracted. She falls for Bethany's thing of getting distracted by being like- If it was a Tuesday or a- If Bethany's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Being like, no, it was a Wednesday or whatever, where it's like, just just barrel through with the overarching point. Exactly, exactly. Don't let her then be like, I'm not getting into one of these debates with you. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. You're great at arguing. I mean, I've never had an argument with you, but... Do you How remember- did you know? Well, this time, <laughs> do you remember last year? I was like, I text you and I was like, I think I'm about to have an argument with someone. Can you give me some pointers? Do you remember? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I had a job with someone and there was like a tense moment and they were like, can we meet for coffee in the morning? Oh, yeah, I did know. And I was like, sure. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have an argument tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, what do I do? Ah. And then you sent me some great points. And one of them was be specific and avoid generalizations because then it's so easy for people to pick that apart. That I do feel that very... But the, I guess what I would say with arguing, because it's funny that you say that on paper, I am great at arguing. And I'm great if it was with a friend or it was with a colleague... I am very good at it, but I'm actually very bad at arguing in relationships because my partner points this out to me that he's like, you're so focused on having a healthy argument that you actually, it's very frustrating when someone's emotional Mm -hmm. to feel censored by someone kind of going, well, let's talk about this. It's it's a bit like trying to argue with a therapist. And actually, sometimes I think that there's a real benefit to just both having an outburst of emotion Mm -hmm. and then both moving on. Oh, interesting. Rather than feel like one person's constantly like made to feel like the emotional one and the other one's analyzing them Mm -hmm. or picking it apart. Yeah. 
I think what I said to you last year, I stand by that if I was to write like rules for arguing, I think being careful not to make accusatory statements, Mm -hmm. because I think the aim with arguing always in life should be to find a solution and for both people to find a solution. And ideally, it's very hard to do this when everyone's emotion is heightened, but to be like, what do you want? What do I want? How do we work backwards from there? It doesn't mean someone will respond to that well when they're pissed off. But it's exactly what you were saying about with Bethany, like a lot of people argue with the aim to be right Mm -hmm. and the aim to win. So for instance, if you make accusatory statements, people tend to get very defensive as a knee-jerk reaction, which means they stop listening. Mm -hmm. I find if you throw an accusatory statement, it's a bit like throwing a smoke bomb or something where it's like you can't, you just can't see each other anymore. Yeah. Which is why I think it's really helpful when broaching a difficult conversation with like a colleague or a friend to use a lot of statements where it's a bit like when so-and-so happens the way that I interpret that Mm -hmm. to make it very much about your experience rather than like you make me feel like this or you did it yeah but I think with a partner I think there's actually yeah real value in not trying I think that I was saying this to someone earlier which is kind of why it's on my brain but I think Instagram and social media has a habit of trying to give us hacks for everything Mm mm-hmm And almost to like hack relationships and be like, here's how to have the healthiest arguments with your partner. And it's like, I think I'm slowly starting to realize there is no, like the point is arguments are crap. (laughs) Like It's like, we're all like, I just hate conflict so much. And it's like, yeah, because it sucks. It's often very healthy and it often leads to more knowledge or whatever. But it's very easy outside of an argument to be like, we should listen to, like listen to each other's points. Give each other space, give each other who. In an in a moment of anger or argument, who's like, I'm going to talk for five minutes and then you're going to talk for five exactly, minutes. Like, right. someone would just be like, fuck you, don't tell me what to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't begrudge Carol and Bethany's arguing styles in terms of, in a heated moment, you argue how you argue. And they're both annoying. And I don't want it to seem like Carol's good at arguing and Bethany's bad at arguing. But it's definitely frustrating in that Berkshire's one that... Bethany is like baiting Carol to focus on details in Carol can be quite righteous mm-hmm. and quite like, no, I'm going to tell you exactly can I'm going to get the text up right now. Da, 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 and it almost takes too long. Yeah. It's the opposite. You know how Lisa Vanderpump's thing was always to get to just as she was winning to be like, oh, okay. Oh, well, I can't say anything. All right. Well, well I'm, well, yeah. And you're like, no, No, you're on the home stretch. (laughs) And it's a bit like that with Carol, where Carol will get bogged down in trying to be like, no, I can prove it. And then eventually just be like, oh, well, fine, Bethany. She needs some of Bethany's quippiness. And obviously Bethany needs some of Carol's insightfulness and nuance. And they'd be be a formidable pair if they were arguing on the same team. But it's just interesting because, again, I think for so long, the show has always positioned Bethany as the sane, normal one who's a voice of reason. Because in the past, her opponents have always been like Ramona and Kelly Bensimone. And suddenly- but it is funny, isn't it? That when she's suddenly opposite Carol, she seems mad. Yeah, you're like, wow, she's nuts. <laughs> she's kind of intense. And it suddenly makes you think of her like screaming at Luanne, like, you fuck everyone! And being like, oh, she right, is kind like, of oh, mad. Kind of all makes sense, yeah. I guess she's always been like that. Mention like- it all! Speaking of Luanne, there's this hilarious comedic interval in the middle of the fight when Luanne, who's completely blasted, she's sat there at the table looking particularly Amazonian. I don't know why. She's like towering <laughs> over the women and she's also dressed as a flapper. And I think Adam comes up and she starts drunkenly blurting out like, I never liked Adam. He was with my niece. And it's like, Luanne, shut up up no one cares that was years ago (laughs) shut up right now and then (laughs) carol brings up this thing about how bethany said that luan was a loser and then luan's just like oh i'm a loser well if i'm a loser the rest of the world sucks and then she gets up and she tries to start an argument with bethany and she's got like lipstick all over her face and bethany's like ah you have lipstick right here and then luan's like oh and then she like she's so drunk she kind of like it's like dealing with a toddler she like immediately forgets so like attention span is so minimal and she's like oh I love you. Give me a kiss. And then she picks up her big feather stole and she wraps it around her shoulders and it's like big and puffy and she has this like big bird quality. And then she's like, there's no loser here. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> oh no, wait, that's Italian. <laughs> Au revoir. And then just like dodges out and it's like, yay, Luan. Oh, ah. so funny. They're also, I think what's triggering for a lot of people about the Bethany and Carol argument is that it doesn't feel like it's for TV. And I think when Bethany's been fighting with Luanne or when she's been fighting with Ramona, those kind of quotable mention it all 
you fuck everyone and all of those things they're very tv friendly and because people like Ramona Luan get a bit stumped and are like copy my haircut right or just walk off they have a very clear end where it's like we've made a good scene for mm-hmm. tv whereas Bethany and Carol get stuck in this sort of spiral of wanting to be right so you have that amazing moment at the reunion where it like pans <laughs> yeah, out to no. a white we need to go to an and ad it's break just right like now. well nobody reads the vlogs and it's like a lot, a lot of people yeah, read the vlogs and it's no, like well, I don't sorry bro, yeah, they don't. I don't think a lot of people and they just can't let it get, and it's like that was the whole season it's just funny. the two of them being like and it's not even for that doesn't make good tv it's just it's only good tv because it's a funny like wide shot but they literally can't stop I also want to qualify something. When I said earlier that Bethany becomes a Jill and she sort of engineers this fallout, I don't necessarily think it's like Jill because it's a storyline per se, but I think Bethany... I'm going to be a psychoanalyst now and say, look, it's very clear Bethany's had a very tough childhood and she has a lot of anxieties and neuroses. And I think Bethany in this moment is acting out her own neurosis, which is that she's so afraid of being unloved and abandoned that she will reject those around her before they have a chance to reject her, which is so sad because there is a world in which she could have had a really good friend in Carol. And, you know, even at the reunion when Carol's like, yeah, she's kind of a narcissist. And I've always kind of thought that. I don't think that's her betraying the friendship. It's kind of what you said. Like we kind of implicitly, there might be some friends where we're like, that's the tone and tenor of the friendship where they're going to be you the just one know chatting that. and exactly. you sit and listen. And fine. I know that she's obviously that was going to get picked up on as if it was like, I like, yeah. But I get what Carol was saying. Yeah. It's slightly unfortunate because Carol is so beautiful and I really don't mean this in like a shaming way, but there's something about the angle, the way they did her makeup at that reunion and the angle of how she sat means she looks cross-eyed a lot <laughs> in it. And it really annoys me because I makes me feel like it undermines her point. <laughs> like yeah. she'll be like saying this really intelligent thing, but it looks a bit like she's cross-eyed while she's saying it. And I'm just like, it really annoys me. With like a big reading glasses on the edge of her nose. And it's yeah. like, oh, Carol. Yeah. I think in a way they're just in a very codependent relationship and Be- or Bethany relies on codependent relationships and needed Carol to be a constant. And the truth is, even in the way that you see Carol talk about Tinsley and things, she's just very like au fait with her she's it takes a lot for her to say that she like loves someone she's very like yeah no i think tinsley's great it's funny that she and tinsley have been friends for like a year and she's like no i wouldn't say with like i think she's she's a great girl (laughs) if someone said that about me i'd be like that's it's so weird it is so funny even in the midst of this massive friendship breakup it's like all roads ultimately lead back to just like dunking on tinsley and somehow it ends with tinsley being like what the hell is wrong with me like everyone's like (laughs) It is funny that, like, I just can't imagine if I'd been on holiday with someone for a week and they were like, we're not friends. We're just like, I think she's great. But this is the point she was trying to make. The initial point was, is that Bethany said that Carol had dumped Bethany as a best friend because she's now besties with Tinsley. And I think the initial point... saying it wasn't... They're really good friends and she likes her. And then Andy's like, oh, so you're trying to say that you don't like Tinsley? It's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we're not best friends. I'm not going to be like declarative about like this shade. Yeah, it's that. You just put it very well and she can't quite articulate it in that moment because she keeps getting stuck on this thing of being like, we're not thick as thieves. Right. (laughs) And it's like, Bethany just jumps every time. The the bit that really annoys me is when Carol has the list, when Bethany's like, I didn't didn't say anything about you all season at the show. And Carol's like, here's the list of things you said about me. And then she's like, I'm a clingy girlfriend. And Bethany's like, oh, oh my God. Oh my goodness. I'm an unavailable girlfriend. Oh my God. I've got to have to prepare. And it's just like- You slept with my husband. Oh, I slept with your husband. Oh. (laughs) But it's like- you just said I didn't say anything. Yeah. So, and actually, when you listen to the list, it's unfortunate because the first two, saying like I'm a clingy girlfriend and then saying I'm an unavailable one, don't sound like that heavy. But the the stuff in the list yeah. is loads. It's solid. But again, Carol takes too long. Carol is way too slow. She's like fumbling with her glasses. It's like, no, you've got to like, come on, we've got a reunion to film here. You've got to be on your A game. <laughs> you've got to be like narcissistic. Exactly. <laughs> you fake, insecure. Snug, fake, insecure. It's one of those moments. It feels a bit like the Denise reunion where... I just want to be like, psst, Carol, come over here. Like, I have a big PowerPoint of all the points yeah. that you need to make. Like, I really want to help her out. She's got such a solid case. And then Sonia's so annoying as well. Oh. Because there's a bit where Carol's making a really good point about how Bethany 
kept messaging her yeah when she's saying i was with my friend whose husband had just died and i was like and carol's also being very clear that she's like i said this is a lot like let's talk about this when i see you xo mm-hmm. i'm saying it with love and then she's saying and then she kept going and then so has to just be like but don't you hear she's hurting and yeah, it's like, like don't you hear i was with my like, friend whose husband like, just died yes. like, yeah the world doesn't revolve around bethany that's the most annoyed I've ever been with Sonia. We said it in the Sonia episode, but she can be such a beater and a lackey in the worst oh, kind Cartagena. of way. She <gasps> sucks. Cartagena, that bit when she sits with Bethany outside the shop being like, all oh, the girls were talking about you on the way. You're <laughs> dreadful, And Sonia. I was saying, yeah. she's hurting. She's hurting girls. Why are we... And God, it's so annoying. Yeah. And there's that amazing bit where she tries to get Dorinda. She's like, I don't think that Bethany's done it, whatever. And Dorinda's just like looking at swimming costumes and is like, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, she just doesn't care. She's like, oh. yeah. I think, I just think leave them alone. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that bit when Bethany is saying about you don't have a career and Dorinda's like, but that's bullying. Yeah. And also another thing that is a real point that annoys me a lot in that reunion is when Bethany's like, when did you get your medical degree? And they're like, you label people every season. The one's a slut, I'm a drunk, I'm a whatever. Kelly has psychological and emotional problems. Literally. So like, where do you get off suddenly being like, you don't get to say what... That's the thing that annoys me generally when someone in an argument is like, you don't know what I think or like, you don't get to label. And it's like, we all do that. Yeah. When someone's like, don't (laughs) tell me what to do. And I'm like, we all tell each other what to do. That's... (laughs) That's just how humans work. Yeah. I feel drained, James. I feel like I just had a therapy session. I'm so hot and sweaty right now. I think I've got the flu all over again. I feel like death. Literally. How glad are you that we've never had yet one of those arguments? I know. And I hope we never will. Well, you're always so impressed by like my... (laughs) With with friends... I, I'm don't get me wrong I'm I'm terrified of conflict and I hate conflict but I'm actually not as scared as a lot of people of working through a, a problem with a friend mm-hmm. I've definitely learned over the years how to make it so that you learn something about each other in it it's like a positive thing rather than like stewing mm. something you're really selling it shall we have an argument should I schedule one in well I bring this up James because no. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you <laughs> ah, no <laughs> Oh my god. I wanted to talk to you about the way that you spoke to me after I accidentally so didn't record our entire episode about Mickey Carlson. That's the closest I I've thought that we've come to having an argument. <laughs> no, we uh we went to bed on an argument and then Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> it was um, so let's just, I kind of want to get a bit old school now and just finish off by talking about not necessarily our favorite Carol moment, but because she's such a fashionista, our favorite oh. Carol ensemble. I know what mine is. Go on. Hit me with it. It's in London. Oh. In London. Oh, is this the same one that I was going to say? Yeah, it's go in on. London and she's got like an orange beanie and maybe gloves and they're walking through Notting Hill. Uh-huh. I think she's talking about how she used to live in that area. Right. And she looks like Carrie Bradshaw. She, it's like a proper... My favourite Carol era is like when she had like quite bonkers yeah. accessories to things. Mm-hmm. So like a funky hat or gloves. That whole season, I just think her fashion sense is... On that topic, in terms of the crazy accessories, I have two. One is also in London in season five. The black dress. The black dress with the fur. With the fur stole. It's so good. Yeah, great. And um, they're playing croquet. And the other one is where they go to the casino and she's got that tuxedo on, that tuxedo shirt. And it's an image of the tuxedo shirt itself is open and then there's some like breasts underneath, but it's like printed onto a t-shirt. Yes. And Carol's wearing it with these bunny rabbit ears. It's something only she could get away with, but it's so quirky and eclectic. And it's very, again, it's an extension of Carol. It's very irreverent and it's sort of like her way of winking at the audience sartorially. And it's just, again, another great visual representation of cool Carol before we then descend into kind of lame Carol where she wears that god-awful tattoo dress to the Hamptons. Right, but I was going to say about the tattoo dress, Mm. yes, it is awful, but Bethany walking in being like, Carol, what the fuck are you wearing? And where it's like, but she's always worn bonkers things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And 
what I resent is the way that that season it's made like Carol's become obsessed with clothes. It's like Carol's always been obsessed with looks. They're just right, like, right. and this whole thing of it being a bit like dress your age or whatever, where it's like, look at what Be- Bethany, like every, none of them do. And I love that. And I don't think that they should dress any differently. And I love that Carol was like, I'm going to wear a tattoo sleep thing. And I just think if it had been a season before, Bethany would have been like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And would have been like, this is bonkers, but amazing. And instead it all got to everything became ammunition. I think in general, Carol put up with so much ageism. It was just ageism where it's like you couldn't win. Either she was shamed for her age where Bethany's like, I know you want to be 45, but don't act like you're seven. As if she's that old and hideous and decrepit. And then also she's then shamed for having a young boyfriend and kind of like dressing in fun clothes. And there's this misinterpretation that she's trying to reclaim her youth rather than she's claiming her she's claiming age. her like, age and that's what and she's always saying is she's it. like i've never pretended to be younger than i am yeah i am enjoying being older she's almost too clever for the audience and for the cast where she has instances where she's like i think she very flippantly says like yeah i have five good summers left in kind of like a cheeky yeah. irreverent way and everyone took it as like oh that's so sad you know she's as if in like five years time she's going to be like, shuttled onto a, like a plane to switzerland or something and it's like no i don't think that's what she was yes. getting at don't get me wrong her era when she's going out with adam i find her insufferable and um, yeah but i do think that she it's that classic case of she set a precedent for herself of being very like rational and calm and collected and as a result when she said to Bethany please don't say to people that I'm sad and that I'm coming across as sad behind my back suddenly it's all like oh it's a big story it's a big thing it's like Imagine if Ramona or Luad or Dorinda or any of these huge personalities who literally we've had Dorinda being like, don't you fucking dare compare my husband. Like they've like spat, because Dorinda's fucking like cut her hand with a knife screaming. It's like Carol very rationally and quietly at the beginning of that season basically was like, please don't talk about me behind my back. And it becomes this narrative of, Carol, you're freaking me out right now. Yeah. It's the same thing where Bethany phones up Carol after she broke up with Adam and started bitching about Adam and Carol was like, please don't talk about him like that. And then Bethany sells it and again, this very 90s stand-up kind of way of, oh, I'm sorry, I knew you were broken up but I didn't know, I didn't know you were like getting coffee and like braiding each other's hair and doing this and that. And it's like, no, but... Bethany, that's common sense. Everyone knows that. Like, if you have a friend and then they're going out with someone, even if you don't like the partner, even if they break up, you give it a wide berth. You don't go, I knew they were shit because you never know yeah. what's going to happen. You don't know what the circumstances yeah. are. Oh, friendship 101. I'm I'm regretting doing the Dorinda impression. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up oh for God, your audition oh God, now. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Right, what are we going to talk about next time? <sighs> I don't know. What do you what want to softly spoken yeah, siren exactly, are we going to discuss? Yeah. Um... Do you want to do Shannon Bedore? Yeah. Yeah. We've never done an episode on Shannon. It feels right. Shannon Bedore. It's like she's here right now. <laughs> Shannon on, is take us fun. Out. <laughs> she's fun. <laughs> Whoop it up. Take us out. Otherwise, I'll stop doing Shannon impressions and I'll really hurt myself. I know, yeah. We have to stop now for your health's sake. For my career. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot riding on this. Okay. Thank you for joining us on this week of the Houseways Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating or if you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next time. All together, get off my job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> get off my job. <laughs> Oh, you've changed. <laughs> there's been there's been a shift. <laughs> That's a lot.